Genesis chapter number three, verses number one, the Bible declares now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. For declares, the enemy says you will not certainly die for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the people of God said, Amen. Father, thank you again for this opportunity. Rest your hand upon your servant. Allow me to minister the word of God with clarity and with divine boldness. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 In the book of Genesis, chapter number one, verses number one, the Bible declares in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form. It was void. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved or hovered over the waters and God with his big bad self opened up his mouth and said let there be light somebody shall light he said let there be light and the Bible declares and there was light and we pick up in verses number four when he looks at what he made what he created and he says it is good he goes on to day number two the scripture declares that he separates the waters from the waters and he calls dry land to appear and after he finishes with day number two, he looks at it again and he says, somebody shout, it is good. He does this from the active days of creation, day number one, all the way to day number six. It is good. It is good. It is good. And when he finishes on day number six, he steps back and he says, it's not just good. Somebody shout, it's very good. Now, what I'm trying to do here is juxtapose his statements in chapter number one with what's going on in chapter number two. We see the six days of active creation in, uh, from, chap from, from day number one to day number six. But when we look at chapter number two, we see um, a, a microscope view of what happens on chapter number two when he actually, uh, excuse me, what, he, what happens in chapter number one, um, day number six when he creates man. He creates man, and then after creating man, the Bible declares, he says in verse number 18 of chapter 2, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now understand, he spent six days creating, and every time he's created something, he said, it is good. He gets on chapter number 2, after saying it's very good, he notices something about mankind and he says it's not good. What this speaks to is that we are designed to be in community. Now, if, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. I'm probably going to go a little bit faster than, um, than, than I want to. You can take pictures, or if you want my slides, just, just ask for them, and I'll email them to you. When I read chapter number 2, verse number 18, it's not good for man to be alone, these are the statements that came to mind. The first statement was simply, you were not designed to do life alone. Somebody shout, I was not designed to do life alone. I know you sing the song, as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Nice beat, but the, the, the lyrics are a lie. You, sir, were not designed to do life by yourself. This is the second statement that came to mind. Fulfillment of personal, uh, a personal purpose is impossible without the assistance of others. I'm, I come to let you know today, 
Whatever God has in store for you, the scripture declares, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for you. Watch this. And what God has prepared for you is so great that it's going to take more than you to fulfill it. Can somebody say amen to that? So fulfillment of purpose, personal purpose is impossible without the assistance of others. Now, now watch this. This is interesting because it connects to this next statement. Long-term success will be limited without intimate partnership. So, so watch this. Maybe you're one of the ones who realize point number two, fulfillment of my personal purpose. I can't do it by myself. So what you do, you spend the majority of your life just stepping over people, using people to get to a place of success. But the reality is if it's going to be long-term, I want to help somebody in this place. If it's going to be long-term success, you cannot do it unless you have intimate partnership around you. When I speak of intimacy, I'm not talking about sexuality. I'm talking about intimacy because when you arrive at a place of greatness, watch this, the, the weight of emotional pressure, the weight of spiritual pressures, you got to have somebody close to you that can monitor your spiritual and your emotional temperature so they'll be able to tell you if you offer not. I don't know about you, but I don't need liars around me. I don't need, matter of fact, if you ever, ever want to be uh, defriend me, come on somebody, or if you ever want me to defriend you, all you got to do is lie to me one good time. I put liars in the category because I don't need anybody around me who won't tell me if I'm in a ditch or not. Long-term success, it requires intimate partnerships around you here's the second here's the fourth statement that came to me as I as I begin to just meditate on Genesis 2 18 true self-actualization cannot be experienced until one pours into another now that's so powerful there um most wealthy people that I know and when I speak of wealth I'm not just talking about money I'm talking about people with just resources in general most wealthy people that I know get their greatest enjoyment of sharing what they have obtained. Matter of fact, they have more joy of pouring into others than they do the process of accumulating the thing that they have. I, I enjoy this more than I do, watch this, learning what I'm giving you guys. Now, I enjoy learning. I enjoy reading. I enjoy studying. I, I really, really enjoy that. But more than just having my face buried in the book, I enjoy this because I get to see your lives better by what God is doing through me to bless you. Can somebody say amen to that? So these four statements, they speak to Genesis 2.18 that it is not good for man to be by himself. Now press pause for a second because if you're in this place and you've ever gone through, I'm talking about a crazy rocky relationship, you've been through a divorce, somebody cheated on you, somebody lied on you. Uh, matter of fact, nothing crazy had, had, had to happen at all. If you've been married more than two minutes, I'm talking about two minutes of marriage. Do you do? I do. Do you do? I do. Ten minutes. Watch this. There has been a time in your life where you have said, God, I can do bad. Y'all don't say it that before. I can do bad all by myself. And, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, watch this. My, my wife and I, we've been married for 20 years. And listen, we've had some great times. We've had some fantastic time. But by the same token, watch this. The greater the highs, sometimes the greater the lows. 
And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God sent this woman in my life. I, I know that. I know that. Didn't nobody prophesy that to me. God spoke that into my spirit directly. But even after God saying, Greg, it's not good for you to be alone, I have come to the foot of the cross and questioned, Jesus, are you sure? So all of us go through rocky relationships and watch, watch this, watch this. So, so, so th this is what I'm going to be focusing on for the next couple of weeks, rocky relationships. And, and here, here's the reality. Here's the reality. When I talk about rocky relationships, I'm talking about unstable relationships. So, so let me, let me kind of better define this. You can be driving on a bumpy road, but you ain't got to have a raggedy car. So when you're in the vehicle of marriage, in the vehicle of covenant, in the vehicle of relationship, you will go through bumps, watch this, but the vehicle of the relationship does not have to be unreliable. So what I want to highlight for the next couple of weeks is how do I get from Lamborghini to Hoopty? Because both of them drive on the same road, but one drives and you can't feel nothing. Come on, somebody. Then the other one drives and you, anybody ever drove a hoopty in here? Anybody ever, anybody ever drove a hoopty? Anybody got a hoopty right now? We praying for you. Both of them are cars, but one, because of the shocks, because of the insulation, you go through bumps, but you don't feel the adverse effects that's connected with every bump. And then there are certain vehicles, no shocks, no, no nothing. Every bump, every, every curvature in the road, you feel it because, because the vehicle is unstable. The vehicle is unreliable. And so this is what I want to do for the next couple of weeks. I want to, because here's the reality is there are many of you all who have started out in great relationships. They could be marriages. They could be business partnerships. They could be just covenant relationship. And it started out on a great high. I'm talking about the vehicle was sound, but something happened from point A to point B that caused what was once sound to now be unreliable. I want to help you highlight things that equate to unreliable rocky relationships. Are y'all ready for point number one on today? Here is point number one. When you allow unproven and unholy voices in your ear, it causes stable relationships to eventually become shaky when you consistently allow un unproven and unholy Unproven simply means that they're, you giving me advice about something that you have no fruit of in your own personal life. Un, unfruitful, un, unproductive, unproven relation, uh, uh, voices, and then unholy, you giving me some stuff that contradicts everything that I believe, and you got a nerve to say it with boldness. When you sit and you allow these, these voices in your ear, they tend to unreliable shaky, rocky relationship. Now, let me press pause just for a second because uh, God says to Adam, he says, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. Um, he was speaking in relationship to Eve, coming alongside him, um, his helpmate. But, but I want to I wanna add to this idea, and it's supported throughout the scripture. Um, if your marriage is going to be successful with you and your spouse, it will not be successful with you two alone. I just want to let that marinate right there for in, in the air. If, if, your, if your relationship with your spouse, your, your business partner, 
Whoever God has brought you in covenant with, if it's going to be successful, it won't be successful with just you two alone. What's going to happen is there is going to have to be people on the outside that breathe life into the relationship and help you to exhale and watch this, exhale poison out of the relationship. Now, I want to help just for a second. Um, my wife, I told her, did you take that picture down of the pool? Did you, did you take the video down? Praise the Lord. I need you to take that down. So we, we, got, a, we got a pool, y'all. We got a pool. And, and watch this. Watch this. Um, I grew up down the street from the projects, and ain't no pool in the projects. So I was excited about the little blue pool. I was excited about the little blue pool until one of my neighbors came to me, and he says, Greg, those things are so expensive. I wouldn't have one if I was you. It's expensive. It just runs all the time. And so I got to thinking about that thing. I went out there to the pool in the morning and, and the motor, what was that? The pump was running. I came back in the afternoon. The pump was running. Before I went to bed at night, the pump was still running. I said, man, my life, my life bill is going to be crazy. So you know what I did? I turned the pump off for a couple of days. I told y'all I, I grew up down the street. Ain't no pool in the projects. So a couple of days later, it, it started turning just a little green, and I'm like, yeah, a little green is all right. Ain't nothing wrong with a little green, long as I got King Jesus. A couple of days later, I noticed frogs. I'm talking about big frogs just in the pool, and I'm like, y'all get out of here. But it was okay because it was just green towards the, the, the deep end, but it was still blue towards the, and that's where the key is. So y'all stay out of the deep. Because I don't know what I'm doing. So what happened was because I stopped the process of breathing new information into the pool and taking old stuff out of the pool, it became what's known as stale water. And some of you all's relationship is stale because you won't allow nothing new in and you won't exhale to breathe poison so if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. I want you to jot down five relationships outside of your relationships that you should have. Five relationships. I think it's five. Is it five? One, two, three, four, five. It was five relationships that you should have outside of your relationship to help you breathe life into your relationship and to help you to excel. The number one relationship, you should have a discipling relationship with someone. And when I speak of a discipling relationship, a relationship that provides training for the purpose of sharpening skills in a particular area, you should be being discipled as a husband, discipled as a father, discipled as a mother. I, I had a fallout with a friend, and um, it was a pretty huge fallout. Um, because I said plainly to him, I think you got poor fathering parenting skills. And that joker got mad at me. And I said it boldly too. Um, you suck as a dad. I said something like that. He's my friend, so I was able to be trans. I didn't have to be like counselor, pastoral. We buddies, we honest. Man, you suck as a father. And so he was upset, but he was upset for the wrong reason. When we finally got back together, the reason he was upset is because in his mind, he heard me say that I don't love my babies. And I never did say you didn't love your son or your daughter. What I did say, you might love them, but love doesn't always translate to the skill to properly. You can love somebody choking on the bone. Come on, somebody. But if you don't have the skills to get that, that bone lost out of their throat, watch this, you will love them too. 
So you might love your husband, you might love your wife, but not necessarily have the skill, I want to help somebody, not necessarily have the skill to demonstrate that love to them. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you might need some discipling. It's okay. Not only do you need discipling, here's the second relationship outside of your relationship that you're going to need. You need to be coached. When I speak of coaching, it's someone who speaks to your potential, number one, number two, and skillfully assists in translating potential into practice. It's someone who sees you where you are, but they see beyond the point of where you are. They see where you could be, and not only can they see you there, they know what it, they know what it takes to navigate you from potential power to actually operating as the man or woman of God you need to be. You need to be disciple because it speaks to specific training. You need to be coach because you need someone to speak to the future you. You need to be mentored, and mentor deals with the day-to-day muck and miry clay. Mentor is someone who takes your hand, and they walk with you every single day, helping you to navigate through life. You need someone not only to help you with your future self, you need someone to help you with your possibly nasty self self. Discipling speaks to specific issues you need to be trained at on. Coaching speaks to preparing you for the future you, unlocking potential. Mentoring helps you with the present situation going on in your life. And then counseling, it helps with the past you that keeps surfacing its head to wreck your present and potentially wreck your future. In this definition of counseling, I highlighted the word skilled people, skilled people. Uh, They don't necessarily have to be formally educated. It's preferable in my opinion, but they actually need skill because if anybody in here, this is, this is 42 and older. If you've ever seen Pet Cemetery, there's certain stuff you raise, resurrect from the dead. Come on somebody that you might not be able to handle. And if you got somebody in your life, I, I'll never forget. I got to, because watch this. There's some of you all, because you like me. I mean, you, you don't allow just any and everybody just in your life. And uh, sometimes what you try to do, you try to comprise all of these roles into one, one, one. And, and I, I had this, this great guy in my life, and he's still in my life. He's a phenomenal coach. He's able to see stuff in me that I can't see in myself. And he speaks to my potential. And he's a great coach. But our relationship almost ended because he, he tried to switch roles from coach to counselor. And he tried to resurrect some stuff that he himself wasn't able to. You need a counselor. Um, here's number five. Here's number five. You, you need a friend. You need a friend. You need a friend. Someone who is supportive, who provides an environment that is non-threatening but yet brings about accountability. You, if in, in, my, in my relationship with my wife, I thank God for the few friends that are around me um, because there are things that I, and this is what some of you guys are falling short. There are things that you need to tell your friends before you tell your spouse. You need to filter it through a friendship. Come on, somebody. Because there are times when you got crazy things in your head that your spouse don't need to hear first. And you can save yourself some trouble if you would at least bounce that off of somebody before you bring that into this relationship. Somebody shout, I need a friend. This is what the Bible declares in Proverbs 1 and 5. I hope I'm helping somebody. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs 11:14 declares, where there is no counsel, the people do what, y'all? 
When there is no counsel, when there is nothing flowing in, it's destined to fail. The Bible declares, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is powerful because watch this. Uh, what God has spoken to me concerning my relationships, be it my wife, be it my church, in order for me to be at my best, I have to have my believer up. I have to have great faith in what it is that God has said. If my faith begins to wane, watch this, my productivity begins to diminish. So I have to have great faith. How do you have great faith? Romans 10, 14 declares, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? They got to have somebody speaking in their ears concern, saying concerning what God has said about that relationship. Final thought and then I'll move on. James 5.16. I'm telling you, you need a friend. You need a counselor. You need a coach. You need a discipler. You, you, you need these individuals in your life. You know why? The scripture declares that the, 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 the birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What does he mean by that? He's talking about Jesus ain't got no place to sleep. No, Jesus had plenty of places to sleep. Yeah, he had friends, Mary. He could go sleep uh, at, at uh, uh, Lazarus' house. Uh, shoot, he's God. He could have created a house if he wanted to. What the scripture is talking about, he had no place to lay his head. What was in Jesus' head? He had no container, no people around him to pour himself into. And it troubled him because he had no place to pour himself into. You need a safe place to rest your head. You need a safe place to rest your thought. You need a safe place where somebody can see the real you and still honor you. I want to help somebody. So the Bible declares, confess your trans trespasses. What is he talking about? KJV says, confess your faults one to another. Confess your faults. Some of you all, the reason that you can't have great relationships is because you always show the made up you. You try to show everybody the you that's been in the mirror for two hours. What about you that just wake, woke up with no mascara, no lip gloss, no, come, come on somebody. I was, in the, <laughs> I was in the mirror shaving this morning and, and they said, Dad, why you shave your head? I said, why you keep your hair? He said, because I look good with hair. You, you didn't want to see the stubby Pastor McGee. You see the shaving Pastor McGee. Well, if you're going to have true intimate friends, the Bible declares, confess your faults, your trespasses one to another and pray one for to pray and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, let's press pause there for a second. Just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need somebody. That's, that's, that's true. True. I'm not just talking about an intimate partner, covenant relationship, even if you have that, if it's going to be successful long-term, you got to have people outside the relationship that breathe life and people outside that help you to exhale poison out of the relationship. Eve's problem is she did have that, but it was a snake. 
she did have a coach, counselor, discipler. She had a slithering friend. But what she was getting advice from was designed to kill her, her destiny, and everything she would put her hands to. The Bible declares, now the serpent was more crafty than any wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This is what the devil did. Watch this. The serpent, watch this, emphasizes what she can't have rather than encouraging thankfulness for all the other fruit she can have. So... My question is, who in your life constantly reminds you of what you are missing out on instead of encouraging gratitude for what you already have? I'm just helping you because I might be, I might be helping you to identify a snake in your own life. Every time you connect with this person and you tell them about certain things that's going on in your relationship, they remind you about Pooh Bear. And they speak to no gratitude about what you have right now. He casts doubt on God's revealed command. This is what the serpent does. Verse number one, here's my next question. Who causes you to question things you know are right? You know commitment is right, but who in your life is causing you to question that? You know faithfulness is right. Who in your life? It's helping you to, to question that. Let's look at verse number two and three. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but you did, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now Eve, this is what she does. With her word, she misrepresents the commands of God because God did say you shall not eat it, but he never said anything about you not touching it. The reality is there would come a point in their, their work that they would have to touch the tree because God told them to take care of the garden. One of the roles of the gardener, just like I'm doing right now, I am pruning all the trees in my yard. Why am I pruning the trees in my yard? I'm cutting them back because I want them to grow out even the more fruitful for next season. So there was a point that they would have to touch, but she misrepresent what God says. And so watch this. Here's the question. Who's okay with your lifestyle conflicting with your profession of faith? Who don't mind you doing your little church thing? As long as you continue to do your thing with us. Because if it's a real friend, what, what was the definition of a friendship? What was that definition of a friendship? We said someone who creates an environment. Watch this. That's number one, non-threatening, non-threatening, but yet accountable. That's what a friend provides. They provide a space that's non-threatening that allows you to be you, but by the same token, it holds you accountable. You can be you, but if I see you off, I'm going to say something. And if you're off long enough, not only am I going to say something to you, I'm going to tell somebody to help you get yourself back to where you need to be. But this serpent don't mind you doing your little church thing. Girl, you went to church? That's what's up. 
now that you out, what we finna do? Verse 3 and 4 declares, but God did not, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. She misrepresents his words. 4 says, the serpent says you will not certainly die. You, you're not going to really die. The serpent said to the woman, this is what he says. He di di directly disputes God's command. How does this relate to you? Who is it? Who do you have in your life who irreverently opposes God's word or interprets the Bible to their convenience? What do you mean irreverently opposes the people in your life who tells you it don't take all of that? Take all of that. You going to church again? You get you gave how much to the church? <laughs> you going to help them do what? Are they paying you to serve? Who are the people that directly oppose? And then the people who twist the scripture for their convenience. They don't mind you sinning, and they will quote scriptures to help you sin. As far as the east is from the west, girl, that's how far he separates you from your sin. God knows your heart. Pastor, what are you trying to say? Okay, this has been my experience as well as my study. I know this by experience and I know it by study. Whenever God gets ready to elevate your life to the next level, he always pairs you with someone who's either already there or headed in the direction slightly ahead of you. God does that. That is the ways of God. Mentoring is the way of God. Discipling, it is the way of coaching. It is the way of God. So by the same token, when the enemy decides that he wants to target you to bring you down, he don't leave you by yourself. He always brings somebody by you to help you go down. I'm telling you, if you've ever gone down in your life, you didn't do it by yourself but you had help from somebody. And I'm not calling your friend a serpent. I'm not calling your friend the devil, but I am saying that he could be using your friend. And I'm helping anybody in this place. Verse number five declares, for God knows, the serpent says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent suggests that there is special knowledge outside of God. And we're living in an hour right now where everybody is trying to tell you, you need to wake up. Yeah, I read some new revelation and now I'm awake. I watched a new YouTube video and now I'm awake. I did research and now I'm awake. And this is what's crazy. Some of the same people that are saying they are awake seem to be deeper in sleep because what has causing you to awaken is isolating you from the rest of. How you woke and you can't even connect with me no more. How you woke, come on somebody, and the people who love you, you have distanced yourself from them. How, how is it, how is it, how is it that you awaken I think you deep in sleep. Who speaks boldly about your destiny in the absence of divine revelation? Who are those people? Who are those people who speak boldly, who tells you what to do outside of divine revelation? They hear your story and they give you instructions as to what you need to accomplish, but they have no backing of the scripture. They have no inspiration of the Holy Ghost. They have nothing concerning God's voice or destiny about your life, but they speak boldly 
somebody shout, we need to get rid of snakes. And I'm telling you, if you got one in your life, you need to get rid of that snake. Well, pastor, the snake is my mama. You love your mama, but it's time to put some distance between you and your mama. Pastor, it's my sister. If the snake is your sister, it's time to put some distance. Come on, somebody, between you and your sister. Pastor, you it's my friend that got me out of trouble. Man, if, I, if, he, if, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. Well, praise God, he used you. He used your friend 10 years ago, but now he's a snake, and the same thing that God God help, watch this. God used to give you life. Watch this. The enemy is about to use to bring you. How you get rid of snakes? I Googled that last night because I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know. How do, how do you get rid of snakes? How do you get rid of snakes? How do you get rid of snakes? And I started reading all kind of articles and strange stuff or stuff that you do to get rid of snakes. And so I never did. I mean, it just nothing fit. Nothing fit in the message. Nothing made sense. And then I woke up this morning and it hit me because I've gotten rid of a snake before. I've gotten rid of snakes in my, pr I got rid of snakes in I, around the house I didn't even tell my wife about. I ain't even tell her because she would have wanted to move again. <laughs> if I told her about that snake, come on somebody, she'll be calling you Jeff for an insurance quote on another house. <laughs> watch this how do you get rid of a snake you cut off its head you cut off its head what are, what are you trying to say Pastor McGee you, you, are you commanding me to be violent no what I'm commanding you to do is stop feeding them information the reason they have power in your life God is because you continue to feed them information watch this on my way to the church this morning, this is what the Spirit of God breathed into my heart concerning this particular point. There are certain snakes that are using, watch this, manipulation against you because you've given them so much information about your life. It's hard for you to make a move in the right direction because they're holding you hostage by what you told them. There's some of you all, there are some people that know too much about your husband. They know too much about your wife. You gave them too much information about what's going on in your body. You gave them too much information. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. You stop feeding them information. And that's how you get rid of snakes. So I want to press pause for a second. This is an introductory lesson. And I'm, I'm excited about what God is speaking to me because I believe it's going to be. I believe in some of y'all's lives it's going to change your trajectory, your destiny, towards where you're going to where God really wants you to go. So it's not just getting rid of people or, or placing distance between yourself and people who are speaking negativity towards or feeding you negativity towards what it is that God wants you to do. It's also aligning yourselves with the people that God wants you to be connected to. And I want to help somebody in this place because I've been in this position here and I've been and, and I'm going to I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you some things that God taught me because I know I know for where God wants to take me next it's going to require some additional people in my life. Some will show up as friends. Others will show up as mentors. Some will show up as coaches, so forth and so on. I know for where I'm going to, there are going to be additional people. Thank God for the shoulders that I'm standing on right now. And I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. 
there is somebody that made some sacrifice for you to be where you are right now. So we're not minimizing at all the people that God has placed in your life to elevate you to the level that you are right now. But watch this. If, if you're going to go higher, there's another rung that you got to step on to get to the next level. Are y'all with me in this place? That means that there are more people that God is going to bring into your life that's going to help you to lift. So if you're one of those people, say, that's me. That's me. And let me help you. If you plan to take your life to the next level, it is you. So this is the first thing that I want to challenge you with. Um, and I'm almost done. Um, check your demeanor and your mental disposition. I want to encourage you to check your demeanor. Check your mental disposition. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man who has friends must, show, uh, must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You may say you want friends, but looking at you, you don't look like you want nothing. Anybody ever just seen somebody who just look mean? They could be the nicest person in the world, but they just look like they'll just chew you. And you could have that demeanor about yourself. So the person who God might want to send to you to be your friend, they may look at you every single day and be like, I ain't, mm -mm, nah, the devil is a lie. Stay right over there. I mean, if you want a friend, if, if you want a friend, maybe you need to check your demeanor. Maybe you need to check your mental disposition concerning friends. That's the first point. I have, I have five points, that I, actually six, that I want to highlight. Here's the second one. If you want a friend, if you feel you need a coach, if you feel you need a mentor, I do. I do. If you feel you need discipling, I do, because there are other areas in my life specifically that I need to be sharpened in. If you, if you need that, here's the next question. Not only check your de uh, demeanor, examine your level of commitment. Because I don't know about you, but there are times and there are seasons that I go through, I don't have time for friendships. And, and I've had to apologize for certain friends and just tell them, I apologize for being a horrible friend. I hadn't had time to pick up the phone. Man, I've, been I've been running. I've been going. But if you know you need this, do you actually have time to invest in a friendship like that? So you examine your commitment level to the friendship. A guy came to me. It, it was very, very interesting. A guy came to me, and um, <laughs> he, uh, he said he needed help with some X, Y, Z. And uh, so I put out a plan for him to, for us to kind of get together. And he never did show up for the plan. He didn't show up. And he had a great excuse every single time he told me why he didn't show up. So I began to step back. And I, you say you want this relationship, but you actually hadn't made time for the relationship. Hmm. Here's the third thing. Determine the mutual benefit. Determine the mutual benefit. If you're going to invite a friend into your life, what do you bring to the table? And actually, what do you need from them? Don't go into a friendship or any relationship lopsided. Even in a counseling relationship, if I am going to be counseled by somebody, I expect you to bring me insights to help me to evaluate stuff that's going on the inside of me. That's my expectation. Here is what I bring to the table, honesty and transparency. In a friendship, I know what I bring to the table, but there are certain things that I need from my friends 
And it's good that you know. Hmm, that's great. Let me pause that for a second. It's good that you know what you bring to the table and what you expect because there are certain relationships that are wrecking because of hidden expectations. You came into the relationship wanting something from them that you never communicated to them. And both of you all might be frustrated because you have one that's giving what he think you need while you frustrated because you hadn't communicated what you actually need. So communicating clearly and understanding what benefits, what you bring to the table, what you need. Here's the fourth thing. If you need a friend, anybody need a friend? Facebook Live, YouTube Live, y'all need a friend? Here's number four. How about you ask God for a friend? How about you ask God? You go to God and you say, God, I need someone. If it's a mentor, God, I need mentoring in this, li in this particular area in my life. God, I need counseling because of what I'm dealing with as, as a child, as a youth in my past. I need someone to coach me, to help me to unlock the potential. Go to God and actually ask him. Here, here's the fifth thing. Here's the fifth thing. Actually, ask the person to be your friend. Yeah. Me and my wife, we had a great conversation last night, and we was talking about a guy. And um, I've, been, I've been watching this guy, and for, for the past couple of months, our interactions, every time we get together, it's life-giving. It's like, it's, it's like putting jumper, jumper cables on each other. It's like every time I connect with this dude, I feel like I'm, I feel amazing. And I can see the same thing on the inside of him. You, you remember Mary and Elizabeth when they, when they came together, their babies leaped. It's that kind of relationship. I'm like, dude. And I'm thinking to myself, why, why don't I spend more time with this guy? So I told my wife last night, I said, I could see myself being his friend. So you know what I'm going to do next time I see him? I'm going to ask him, man, let's be friends. Y'all laughing at me, but I actually did this three weeks ago. <laughs> I did. It's, it's another guy in my, in my class. And for those who know me personally, I have a, clo a, a very small circle of people who are actually friends. I got a lot of Facebook friends, and I love y'all. But how can you actually be my friend and you don't know me? <laughs> and I don't let everybody in. I seen a guy, this was a couple of weeks ago in one of my classes, and I've been watching him. And, and I, I know what I bring to the table as a friend, and I know what I need as a friend. And um, before the class was over, I, I went up and I, I got his number. I said, this is my number. And I told him plainly, man, I want to be your friend. I want to get to know your wife, your children. I want you to know my family. I want us to connect, man. And he says, Greg, that sounds like a great idea. And I tested him. And you know what? I tested him to see if he was going to call me. Two days later, Greg, hey, just calling to say what's up, man. I'm like, are you serious? You don't need, no, you don't need no money? You ain't broke down? You don't need no rest. So you for real, just call and just see how I'm doing. Man, I'm just calling to say, hey, what's up? He sent me a text last Sunday. He said, hey, hey, G, I'm praying for you, man. Pray everything. I'm like, you see, you, I almost wanted to cry. I was driving to the church. I said, <laughs> You want to pray for me? 
So, so I'm, I'm over time. I'm over time. I'm over time. But I, I want to drive this, this point home. This is how snakes keep creeping in your life. It's because most of you form relationships, friendships, partnerships based on mutual interactions. So it's a guy, every time I go to Sam's, he's there. Literally, every time I go to Sam's, I see this guy. And we speak, how you doing? I'm fine. Good to see you again. Watch this. I feel no inclination at all in my spirit to try to be more than just somebody I see at Sam's. But this is what some of you all do. You will construct in your mind since I see you here all the time. Watch this. Here go my life. Let's get to know each other. When the reality is, it might be he just get up at the same time I get up. Or worse, he could be stalking me. <laughs> and it's dangerous. So I am challenging you to be strategic about people that you befriend. I want you to be, watch this, number one, proactive. Number two, strategic. Proactive and strategic. Proactive. Oh, God, help me. I'm, I'm, when, when I look for friends, not only friends, I look for, for, for business partners. I look for pastoral relationships. I'm always looking for that because I know I can't do life by myself. There are people that God, watch this, he's going to bring alongside me that's going to help me to, to catapult my life, my ministry, my, my endeavors to the next level. And not only that, there are certain people that God has called me to pour into. And so even with this new friendship, I'm not really sure all the tenets of the relationship. He could be there to sharpen me, strengthen me. It could be in this particular season in his life that I'm supposed to be pouring into him. I don't know all the tenets of the relationship, but I do know that there's a connection there. And so I'm pursuing that particular connection. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Be, be proactive and be strategic. Be proactive and be strategic. If you're proactive and strategic, it's less likely for you to have snakes slither in your life. And when they do come into your circle, just like Jesus, you'll be able to say that I picked 12, but I know one of them is a devil. And I allowed this particular devil because this one has perfect. Anybody, I, should, I don't know if I should go there. Let me just go and throw it out there. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But just think about it. Does anybody... Have anybody in that circle, in your circle, who you know motives are not as pure as they need to be, but you need them right? Watch, I ain't going to say you need them. Watch this. But God is using them right now. I just want to just press pause. Just, just think about this. Anybody in your circle that you know motives is not 100, but God is using my Judas to bring me to a place that Peter won't let me go. So also, although you're at a distance, I know even you have purpose in my life. I want to help somebody in this place. So when God does allow the snakes, he does it. Watch this. It's both proactive and strategic as well on a whole nother level. You're not called to do life by yourself. You're called to walk with somebody. You're called to elevate somebody. You're called to be elevated by somebody. Here's the final point. For those of you who are in need of friends, 
those of you who are in need of mentors, closer relationships, intimate relationships. Here's the final point. Adam was in the garden by himself. And God looks at him and he says to him, son, it's not good for you to be alone. So the scripture teaches that God goes through this process to make him somebody that's going to walk alongside him to help, to support, to undergird. That's what Eve becomes. But watch the wisdom of the text. Before he connected to her, he was already connected to him. And you can't make connections without. And that's what's getting some of us in trouble. We're making connections without him. Let me take it further. God, this is hard to close. Not just making connections without him. We're not waiting on him to initiate the connection. Because God came to Adam and said it's time. If you've been praying about a relationship, partnership, wife, husband, and heaven is closed right now, my challenge to you is just move on to something else until God wants to talk about it. Well, Father, well, I, well, God, I need, and every time you pray, it's like you feel ain't nothing there. It might be because that's not the conversation that God wants to have with you right now. I want to help somebody in this place. I was meditating on this thought uh, just yesterday, Minister Jeff, um, just concerning preaching and teaching and, and what makes how you continue to do this long term and, and not always duplicating material year after year, but fresh revelation keeps coming in is because before I deal with information concerning you guys, I will allow God to deal with information concerning Greg. And so me and God, we have like this ongoing relationship, ongoing conversation where he's talking to me about things that he wants me to change. The moment I shut his voice off concerning talking to me, watch this, it becomes very difficult to start talking to y'all. So before you sit and try to invite somebody else into your life, make sure you connect it to God, number one. Number two, make sure that's the conversation that God actually wants to have with you. Make sure that's the conversation. I want to pray with somebody today. I want to pray for hurting people that either in the middle of a rocky relationship or emotionally and spiritually, um, you are suffering because what happened in relationship, it could be wife, ex-wife, husband, ex-husband. It could be an old boyfriend, old girlfriend that's still troubling you in your soul and you're having difficulties moving forward to what God has in store for you because of this thing that's going on in your heart. I want to pray for you because the reality of heal, if healing doesn't happen here, if you don't allow God to minister to this, thank you, Jesus. I'm talking to some pastor as well, right? About now that God wants to do a greater work on the inside of your life, but you're still suffering because of the hurt of the past church, the hurt of old members, and it's causing you to be an insecure pastor right now. It's causing you to be a mean pastor right now because you're still harboring the hurt 
forgiveness in your heart. And God says, I want to heal you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Adam, I want to create an Eve for you. Isn't that amazing? I don't want to just bring somebody. I want to create them for you. Hmm. Hmm. Somebody just shout rest. Shout it again, rest. That's what I hear God saying. Rest and let me make him for you. Rest and let me make her for you. Rest, rest, rest. And let me prepare them for you. So now I speak against anxiety in the name of Jesus. I speak against the lie of the enemy. To try to make you believe that you've missed your season. The devil is absolutely a liar. God calculated in his great plan concerning your life exactly what they would do. And he decreed, I'm still going to make it work together for your good. So even in the midst of troubling, rocky relationships, God saw the storm coming, but God made provisions for the storm. So today God sends healing. I decree it now in the name of Jesus. God sends healing to your heart, my daughter. God, God sends healing to your heart today, my son. Thank you, Jesus. My past won't hinder my destiny. Troubles. My past won't hinder the greatness God has in store for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray. If you're in this place or maybe you're watching me online, Facebook or YouTube, and you're one of those individuals you've been searching for your Eve, searching for your Boaz, doesn't even have to be an intimate relationship like that. Maybe you've been searching for mentoring or discipling because you know there's areas in your life you need to be perfected, you need to be matured. And you've been grabbing people, pulling them close, and none of these partnerships seems to be working out. And it could be simply because I'm connecting people to my life who God hadn't initiated to be connected. I want to start out by simply offering this idea. How about we apologize to God for making bad connections ourselves. For some of you all, let's take it a step further. God, forgive me for connecting with people and then lying on you and telling people that you sent her, that you sent him in my, God, I'm sorry. I wasn't really sure, but it, it seems so right, God, so I just, I just said it was you. God, forgive me. That was wrong, God. Our relationship is better than that. In the past, God, you've made it clear as to what it is that you wanted in my life. So why should I try to move forward in cloudy conditions? God, I'm going to rest and I'm allow you to do work in me and to do work on those individuals who you are calling to partner with me. So now, Father, we choose to renew our relationship with you. Jesus, we believe and we know that you died on the cross for every single solitary sin. And the Bible declares that we confess our sins to you. You're faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us now of all unrighteousness. Come on, if that's you, just confess it. Come on, come on, come on. Here's your opportunity. Thank you, Holy Ghost of God. For somebody, this is an opportunity to confess to God your part 
in the rocky relationship. Hmm. Even for those who are connected to now, you're still married, those who are still, still, still in relationship, still in partnership, but it's very rocky. And God is saying, how about you confess to me what you did wrong instead of spending all of your time complaining to me about what they're doing wrong? Come on, do it now. Come on, sir, I need you to move now. Come on, come on, talk to God. Talk to him now. Come on, tell him, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I contributed to this, this confusion, Jesus. I'm sorry, Father, that I didn't, I didn't guard my mouth the way I should have. In the heat of the moment, Lord, I said some things I know I shouldn't have said, and I'm confessing, I'm confessing to you right now. God, I'm sorry. Yeah. I did something stupid, God, just to make them mad, to get back at them. And Lord, I'm not dealing with their faults now. Jesus, I want to deal with mine. God, I'm sorry now. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. So, Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you, God, for the moment in time that you offer us, God, to freely confess our sins and our faults to you. And you said that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far you separate us from our sins and you choose not to hold them against us. I want to thank you, Lord God, that you're breathing new life in relationships now in the name of Jesus, I want every married couple, just lift your hands, lift both, lift both hands all over this building, Facebook Live, YouTube, lift both hands because the Spirit of God is doing something. <laughs> Breathing now, new life into your relationships now in the name of Jesus. All over this building, if you got a friend, if you have a friendship, if you have a, a partnership and you see something happening in that partnership now, God is... Breathing new life into that partnership right now in the name of Jesus. Whole nother level of transparency and intimacy is happening in that relationship now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, for it. I thank you for it now. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and put those hands together all over this building. Somebody say.